So today we have arrived at chapter 3 of the book of Ruth, where this story of Naomi and Ruth continues to unfold, as we've already seen and heard this morning. And we're now getting to the heart of the story. There's a lot we can learn from this book. And today, hopefully, we're going to get some insights into how prayers are answered. Remember, this is a book that begins with deep distress, raising questions about where is God when bad things happen, and why does disaster strike some people and not others? In chapter one, we heard about the sadness that these two women suffered in a country called Moab and how they ended up together in a town called Bethlehem, Bethlehem in a country called Judah, which is actually Naomi's home. But importantly, it's a place where Ruth is considered a foreigner, a foreign woman. And then in chapter two, Ruth meets Boaz for the first time. And as we've heard, he allows Ruth to gather grain with the workers in his fields during the harvest. We were hearing about that last week and the kindness that he showed. What Ruth doesn't know about Boaz, though, when she first meets him, is that he's this close relative of Naomi's deceased husband. But we're told that Boaz is aware of Ruth, what Ruth has given up for Naomi, her mother-in-law, in coming to Bethlehem, and he offers her a safe place to work and provides food for them both. Boaz is described as a man of standing. And that, that could mean a few things. He might be wealthy, for example, or he might be someone who's influential and important in that town. He's clearly a godly, believing man because he prays for Ruth. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And this is a prayer that's going to be answered, but not in the way probably that Boaz is expecting. And that brings us to chapter 3. And the question is, okay, so what's going to happen next in this story? How's the story going to develop And if you notice, chapter 3 begins and ends with Ruth and Naomi in discussion. You can see that in verse 1. You can see that in the last verse of chapter 3. And in between these two conversations, important things happen. Ruth and Boaz meet again. And that's That meeting is really because of Naomi. It's because of Naomi taking the initiative. And Naomi is very concerned for Ruth, concerned about her future happiness and security. You might have heard me say that a couple of weeks ago. Because it's exactly the same concern that uh, Naomi showed for Ruth earlier in the story when they were on the road back to Bethlehem and Naomi's trying to persuade Ruth to return to Moab rather than journeying on with her. And Naomi says to Ruth right here at the beginning of chapter 3, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. 
So we can, we can feel Naomi's love and concern for Ruth. It's a real concern. In fact, uh, it's what Naomi prayed for Ruth and for Orpah, her other daughter-in-law, back in chapter 1. Her prayer there is, May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. She's prayed it for them. And I just wonder whether we've ever prayed that kind of prayer or had this kind of concern for someone. Not just that they would find a husband or a wife, but that they would find rest and safety and security, be well provided for and have their needs met. It's, if you like, it's a picture of happiness and blessing. And perhaps it's one that Naomi herself experienced with her husband Elimelech at some point in the past before he and their two sons were taken away from her in Moab. Perhaps it comes out of Naomi's own experience. But I don't want to be suggesting that getting married and having a family should be the goal for everyone, or that it's the only possible way to be happy and secure far from it. We live in very different times and circumstances to Ruth and Naomi, but it's helpful, helpful I think, to be able to see how we can relate to this story. And I'm sure that many of us have experienced the same sort of concern for someone else's happiness or security, the same concern that Naomi shows for Ruth here. Something that we know. And it's very interesting, I think, that not only has Naomi prayed for Ruth to find rest in the home of another husband... But here she seems to be taking the responsibility on herself when she says, I must find a home for you. We know, don't we, that we, we pray about things, but that's not the end of it. We don't want to just pray and then sit back and wait for that thing to happen. I can remember when we were planning to move to France and thinking about it and wanting to know whether this was what God wanted us to do. And so we prayed about that decision. But we also began to take practical steps in preparation. We made many trips over to France to meet people. We began to look at places where we could live. We asked other people to pray for us. We put together a budget for how much it would cost to move to France and to live there. We didn't just sit back and wait for the answer. We took, we began to take steps, necessary steps, in order to try and get a sense of whether God was leading us to move to France or not. So here in chapter 3, Naomi gives some very practical instructions to Ruth for how she should approach Boaz. Boaz, the kind relative who has already supplied them with food. He's actually given them an enormous amount of food to take care of them. And he's allowed Ruth to keep working in his fields for the whole duration of the harvest. So Naomi tells Ruth what to wear and where to go and when and how to make contact with Boaz. And she's, she's very specific. She's very detailed in her instructions. I'm not sure that I would have had any idea what to say to Ruth in similar circumstances. But Naomi knows. 
And she's even confident about the outcome too. He will tell you what to do. And notice that Ruth's response to Naomi's instructions is very, is very compliant. I will do whatever you say. She clearly trusts Naomi and is more than ready to follow her instructions. And these are the instructions. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. And in fact, that's exactly, exactly what happens. Ruth follows Naomi's instructions to the letter. And verse 7 tells us, When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. We can imagine the scene, I'm sure. But I wonder if we were to stop the story there and if we didn't know what happens next what would we come up with as possible outcomes possible scenarios for this situation what could happen to Ruth do we think one possibility is that nothing happens at all Boaz Spends the night asleep with Ruth at his feet. He wakes up in the morning, perhaps find Ruth there, and he'd obviously ask her, well, what are you doing? And that would perhaps be embarrassing for Ruth. She could say that she was just following Naomi's instructions, because that's true, that's what she was doing, but essentially she would go back in much the same position as when she arrived. No better, no worse, but no closer to finding a husband. So that's one possibility. Another possibility is that Boaz rejects Ruth. We learn a little later on in the chapter that it seems that women aren't really allowed to come to the threshing floor at night because Boaz tells Ruth that no one must know that a woman was there. We could, we could easily imagine a situation where this is a very negative outcome for Ruth. Perhaps Boaz thinks that Ruth is behaving inappropriately because she's a Moabite woman. And there's some history between the Israelite men and Moabite women, which you can read about in Numbers chapter 25. And that could have made Boaz wary of Ruth approaching him in this way. In any case, the risk that Ruth was taking was real. The risk of rejection was real. But it was a risk that Ruth was prepared to take. And again, we don't know what Ruth thought of Boaz as a potential husband. After all, it's Naomi's idea to send Ruth to him. And perhaps Ruth is going along with it simply out of respect for her mother-in-law. We don't know what was going through Ruth's mind when she got ready, prepared herself to go and see Boaz. We don't know what she was thinking as she laid down, as she uncovered his feet and laid there waiting. What would Ruth have been doing? Praying, perhaps. What we do know 
is that in the middle of the night, something startles Boaz and he wakes up and he discovers Ruth lying at his feet. And presumably it's dark because he asks her who she is. And this is where things start to get very interesting because remember the instructions, the detailed instructions that Naomi has given to Ruth. Well, this is the point where rather than doing what Naomi had told her to do, Ruth seems to take matters into her own hands. She answers the question, says to Boaz, I am your servant, Ruth. But then rather than waiting for him to tell her what to do, as Naomi has instructed, it's Ruth who tells Boaz what to do. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Ruth takes a bold initiative. We have the expression, don't we, in for a penny, in for a pound. And that seems to be Ruth's approach at this moment. But remember, back in chapter 2, the very first time Ruth speaks to Boaz, she asks him a question. Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? And that was the very first time that they'd met. And Ruth had noticed, uh, Boaz had noticed Ruth working in one of his fields. And he'd gone to the trouble of finding out from the overseer who she was and where she was from. And then he speaks very kindly to Ruth. And he encourages her to stay. And he treats her with great respect. And he tells his workers not to harm her in any way. And he provides for her water, food, the things that she needs. And there's an explanation for that. Boaz explains to Ruth that he's treating her like this because of the way that Ruth has treated Naomi, her mother-in-law, who is the wife of one of Boaz's relatives. And in response, Ruth admits that she doesn't even have the standing of one of his servants. She's a foreign woman. But this whole interaction is very humble, very respectful. The way they speak to each other is not at all demanding. There are no expectations. There's just kindness. So this makes me stop and think about my own interactions with other people. How much kindness and respect do I show to others? What kind of words do I use? And what's my motivation in the way I speak to others? It's a challenge, isn't it? Because it's so easy, especially with people who are close to us, closest to us, to speak sometimes unkindly or harshly, especially with people that we love dearly. And I wonder, how is that ever going to change? What can we do that might make a difference? What might help me to change my ways and my habits when it comes to speaking to others. And it could be something as simple as remembering Ruth or being like Boaz. Perhaps if I say to myself, remember Ruth, be like Boaz, that will help. I know that perhaps sounds very simple, but I think it's worth trying. Remember Ruth, be like Boaz. 
And it's true, isn't it, that our motivations can sometimes be mixed. In this situation, it's clear, very clear, that Boaz is considerably older than Ruth. He's a man, she's a young woman. He's wanting her to stay in his fields, and he's offering her food and water. It would be a bit surprising if we didn't have questions or suspicions about his motivations or or our motivations as we think about our relationships. But from this story, Boaz comes across as being totally honourable and respectful of Ruth. In fact, in response to Ruth's words, I am your servant, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family, Boaz clearly acknowledges the difference in their ages when he says, the Lord bless you, daughter. But then his next words are very interesting. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. And the word there that he uses to describe Naomi is exactly the word in Hebrew that was used to describe him, a man of standing, someone who has influence, or it can mean someone who's just capable. It's the same word that's used in the last chapter of the book of Proverbs to describe a a woman of noble character, a wife of noble character. And this is the second time that Boaz prays for Ruth. He says, the Lord bless you, daughter. And I think this prayerful expression echoes the way that Boaz greeted the harvesters back in chapter 2. Do you remember? He arrives in the field and he says, the Lord bless you. And the response is, no, he calls out, sorry, he calls out, the Lord be with you. And the harvesters say, the Lord bless you. Now, of course, that could just be something routine or traditional, like we say, bless you if someone sneezes. But I don't think so. I think it's actually a reflection of how integrated and central God is to Boaz and his workers. As central and essential to everyday life as anything else they were doing. It would be strange today if we were to greet someone with the words, the Lord be with you, or the Lord bless you, except perhaps when we come to church. But again, maybe it's something that we could train ourselves to do when we meet someone, just to say a silent prayer, the Lord be with you, or the Lord bless you, something Again, to think about, perhaps, another way to be like Boaz. And then there's another echo from chapter 2 in Ruth's words. Spread the corner of your garment over me. Remember, in chapter 2, after, after learning about what Ruth has done for Naomi, Boaz prays, may the, may the Lord, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And again, the Hebrew word for wings and the word for garment or covering, it's the same word. So in a sense, Ruth is reminding Boaz of the prayer that he prayed for her previously. Her request sounds like she's asking him to keep 
asking him to keep her warm for the night by sharing his blanket, but it's, it's much, much more than that. In a way, she's suggesting that Boaz here can, can be the answer to his own prayer. And he certainly understands her words to have a far more permanent meaning, something more akin to a marriage proposal. And his response is beautiful, isn't it? He says to her, don't be afraid. I'll do for you all you ask. Why does Boaz say to Ruth that this kindness that she's showing is greater than the one she showed earlier? Well, almost certainly it's because what Ruth is doing in this moment is not just for her. She's not doing it for herself, but she's doing it even more for Naomi, her mother-in-law. Ruth has already left her parents, her own mother and father in Moab. She's committed herself to staying with Naomi, whatever the circumstances. And Ruth gives this reason for asking Boaz to marry her. It's because he is a guardian redeemer of their family. So Ruth has taken really seriously being part of Naomi's family. Indeed, becoming part of Naomi's family means that Boaz can play a part in redeeming the family line, which is something that we get into much more next week. And just to finish, there's a, there's a twist in the plot. There's, there's other things that we're not covering, but right at the end, there's a twist in the plot, a cliffhanger at the end of chapter three. Even though Boaz is this guardian redeemer, he knows of someone else who is more closely related and who therefore has first choice, if you like, to redeem the family line and to marry Ruth. So this book is all about relationships, and that gives us an opportunity to think about our relationships and how we relate to other people. Remember Ruth, be like Boaz. We see through this book, and this chapter particularly, the way that prayers are answered. And each of the chapters contains multiple examples of of prayer. Faith is a key factor in this story. Trusting in God's promises is essential and central to Boaz and Naomi and Ruth. But these are not prayers that are an end in themselves, prayers that are prayed and then forgotten. Now, these are prayers where the people who pray are very much involved in the fulfillment of those same prayers. In a way, they become the answer to those prayers. And praying, as we've said before, is love in action. And if we pray and then follow that up by taking initiatives, that's taking those prayers seriously, and that's empowered love in action, I think. Not forcing God's hand, but living consistently with what we've asked for. So the classic example of that is Jesus, if you remember, telling his disciples, we were looking at this not so long ago, telling his disciples that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And his instruction to them 
in light of that reality. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. His, his instruction is that they should pray. They should ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And you can see why, why this example resonates with the book of Ruth, harvests and all the rest of it. But the next thing, the very next thing that Jesus does is to send his disciples out to the towns and villages to do what he has been doing. They become part of the answer to the prayer that he's told them to pray. They are the answer or part of the answer to their own prayers with Jesus directing everything. So perhaps the thing we should take away from this is that prayer is this essential ingredient in the life of someone who believes in God. Jesus helped his disciples to learn how to pray. He showed them by example. But the life of a Christian, the life of a disciple, our lives, it it doesn't stop there. It's not pray and forget. Whatever we're asking God to do to change the world... He wants us to participate in being the answer to our own prayers, just like Naomi, just like Boaz.